You're listening to 103.5 FM, the Sun Community Radio, WLSPLP, Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, and you're in homeroom with Brad Saren. Hi, name, my name is Todd Molesky. Brad Saren can't be with us. He's the superintendent of the Sun Prairie Area School District, but uh, I'm told he doesn't have a voice today uh, and is ill, and so <laughs> that would be make it difficult for him to be on the show, but uh, we're happy to be uh, joined by Patty Lux from the district. Patty, good to uh, see you as always. Hi, good morning. And our guest today is Janet Thomas, who is the Associate Director of Student Services for the district. Janet, welcome. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. And the reason we have you on today is to talk about, uh, it's a topic that really is is has, has been around for a long time, but maybe has, has reached a little bit of a different level in the pandemic, and that's social-emotional wellness of students. Um, and, and we see a lot about that it is you know, more difficult for students to cope as we're in a world that has changed a lot in the last couple of years and has gone virtual in a lot of things. And the district went virtual for a long time and is back, you know, in person for a lot, most of things now. But I wonder, Janet, if you can just give us the the 30,000 foot um, overview of, of what it is that you guys do and what you work with uh, for for the students in in the district. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, how you said it was exactly right. This work has been ongoing forever. Um, We in public schools certainly address the academic needs, reading, writing, math, all of that, but um, you can't have kiddos in your buildings and not also address how they're doing socially, how they're doing emotionally, how they're doing behaviorally. So in Sun Prairie, um, we have a really strong history of always looking at the child as a whole person, a whole child who comes to us um, with a lot of different um, strengths and opportunities for growth. So um, before the pandemic, we were doing a lot of this work. And as you noted, um, everything changed for kids and they had to experience school in a way that they hadn't previously. Um, And part of that was that they weren't getting some of that social support and modeling that they needed to, uh, or that they were used to, and weren't able to really reach out to their trusted adults, um, their teachers or student services members um, in their buildings because they weren't there. So when they had um, any kind of issues emotionally. Um, so yeah, we've had to both continue the work and readjust to new um, new behaviors and new things that we're seeing now that students are back with us in person. The good news is that kids and teachers and staff and administrators are extremely resilient. Um, school staff are some of the most resilient people that I have ever met or worked with. And so um, in a lot of ways, we've been able to pick up the work that we had started pre-pandemic and really continue. And I couldn't be more proud of our staff and students for really um, continuing that work and having the focus of um again, that whole child and just understanding all of the different needs of kids. And I wonder, I wonder if that, um, you know, you, you talk about this, like, and, and I know kids have a lot of, of connections in the school buildings, like you're talking about their, their teachers, mm-hmm. their, you know, the, the, the services people in, in that building. And how, what was it like to try and reconnect those things once kids got back to the buildings, because it, once you've you've missed that maybe for 
uh, for a few months. And maybe this happens every, every, after every summer too, um, where you have to reconnect with some kids that maybe need it after they've been gone for summer break. But this was a longer stretch of time uh, during the pandemic when things were virtual. How was that uh, to deal with and try and just just check in with kids and, and make sure they're you know you know they're they're getting that support that they need um, even if they they weren't always you know face to face. Yeah, I think throughout the pandemic um, when we were virtual, there were still lots of opportunities for um, our staff to keep connections with students, and so. Um, we knew which kids were going to need just a little extra support um, when they came back to school, mostly. Um, and then we were just, uh, you know, for, for teachers, obviously, um, being able to see kids, you learn right away, like who needs a little extra love, who is really excited to be there. Um, student services members were just present more everywhere. Um, so certainly um, none of our school counselors, school psychologists or school social workers, you know, sit in the background, but they really were out interacting with kids a little bit more and having those face to face both observation and conversation about who just needed a little extra. Um, there are some funny stories. Some of our youngest learners, kindergartners or first graders who maybe hadn't had a lot of exposure or experience with school counselors or um, student services staff, but maybe had only seen them like wearing masks or, or virtually when they first saw them in person, it was like seeing a rock star, like, oh my gosh, you know, my school counselor, because they were just very excited to have built that virtual relationship and then transition to the in-person one. So um, I think we did a, a really nice job and just kind of by face, by name and making those personal connections when kids came back, everybody was excited to see each other. It's a little bit like when if you're a student and you see your teacher out in the community, not in the school building, that's right. Right? it's like, oh, you exist outside of school. That's that, that's amazing. That's, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Some of the the little kids were like, I didn't know that's what you looked like. So it was that's cute. <laughs> the um, I I think it's it's interesting, and I, I want to touch on this a little bit before we go much further. Um, a lot of times we think of teachers. I mean that teachers and school staff and they're superheroes let's let's be honest yes but they probably need a little bit of help too in knowing how 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 do i connect how do i reach a, a student that needs it how do i get them the support they need if if it's maybe something i can't do just in a a, a classroom setting how do you work with with teachers and staff to maybe give them the, the tools that they need to recognize something or to just uh, be able to handle things that, that come up that, you know, maybe aren't taught in, in uh, education school, you know, in, in college as you're going for your degree. Yeah, great question. So first of all, I'll say um, teachers have a natural instinct. Um, they just have a natural instinct to be able to work with kids, understand what students need, you know, scoop them up and give them the supports that they need. And they are not trained mental health providers. So um, we are lucky in Sun Prairie um, that we have always looked at social emotional learning or SEL as an acronym as part of our curriculum renewal and design cycle. So what that means is that we treat that um, teacher education, professional development, um, 
uh, resource acquisition trainings, all of that, just like we would math or reading or any of the content areas. So there is a district committee, just like for English language arts or math, um, that really works on leading the work in SEL. So what that looks like is um, doing some data review. What do students need and what do teachers need around social emotional learning and wellness? selecting um, materials and resources and curriculum um, that really will help move that work forward and then designing professional development so that we are able to give um, teachers training and the tools for their toolbox as you mentioned. Um, so we are in uh, the cycle of curriculum renewal and design for SEL in our implementation stage this year um, and next year. And so really we have uh, designed and developed and implemented professional development around our SEL curriculum and teachers are doing it. And when I started out by saying, I'm just really proud of how staff and students are taking this on and coming back with all of the uncertainty we are still implementing new lessons, new strategies, and new training um, to meet the needs of kids. So it's, and we continue to get feedback from staff and evaluate what else they need um, because implementing new strategies or curriculum is a multi-year process. And then really understanding and evaluating what the impact of that is, is um, also a, a, big, um, a big lift. So we really have like three areas within our SEL instructional model that we focus on raising capacity and building capacity. And those three areas are number one, just teacher instructional practices. How do you engage you know, your kids? How do you create a community where everybody feels safe and included? Um, the second practice within our instructional model for SEL is having those specific curriculum and lessons. We're not expecting teachers to write their own curriculum on this. We've got you know, evidence research-based practice or lessons and curriculum with a scope and sequence that they're able to follow. And then the third area is just like in math and reading where we identify like those real essential learning standards that we want students to learn. Um, we did the same in SEL. So there's a hundred different things that we could focus on for kids to do, you know, be a good friend, you know, good social skills, emotional competence, um, be a good learner, you know, problem solver. We in Sun Prairie um, have adopted the SEL competencies from the DPI, and we also identified eight of those standards that we are really focusing on. So as a comprehensive model that includes teacher training, it's really those instructional practices, the delivery of the curriculum, and how we're integrating those, those uh, essential skills. So does this kind of work in with just everyday teaching? Is there just kind of a, a, a component? This isn't like a separate thing that they'll focus on during the day. This is just kind of a, a, a part of uh of everyday instruction is that is that what i'm getting out of this this is like touches in every minute of the of the day absolutely yeah that is exactly how we approach this in sun prairie and 
Um, that's not always, well, I should say it's sometimes that's a lot easier because if I'm teaching a math lesson Mm -hmm. and part of it is that we want kids to set a specific goal for, you know, um, how they're learning, um, goal setting is an SEL standard, you know, that we can just put right into that lesson plan and instruction and, and teach. So the goal really is to have this all integrated throughout the day, um, Certainly we have time set aside where we are community building explicitly, or we are delivering, you know, the, the SEL lesson that we have um, in our curriculum, but absolutely at every part of the day, there is opportunities to address social, emotional learning and wellness of students. You're listening to Homeroom on 103.5 The Sun Community Radio, coming to you from the 103.5 The Sun Studios, underwritten by the Bank of Sun Prairie. We're here with Janet Thomas, the Associate Director of Student Services for the district. And I I wonder if we can touch just a a little bit on um, what that means to to teachers, how, how that gets to them. I guess it, you, you talk, there's, there's work that goes on with them, but how, how, how does that, you know, in, in a, I guess in a, in a way that it's taught to them or, or that they workshop to, to make this part of their, um, their teaching practice or delivery, how, how do you guys work with them in that? Is it like a, is it a hands-on thing? Is it something where you give them, examples of, you know, you can, you can use this kind of phrasing even maybe, does it go down to that level of, you know, uh, what kind of words (laughs) make a difference or make, uh, uh, you know, get through to kids more, uh, what kind of things, if we can get into maybe some examples, do you guys work on with them? Sure. So, um, building anybody's capacity, you know, is, is a a long process and, um, teachers are highly skilled in teaching. And so we come at it from a variety of ways. First of all, their voice is extremely important. So when we talk about our curriculum renewal and design cycle, our district committee that is making some of these decisions, um, includes teacher voice. It includes teachers, it includes student voice, it includes caregiver voice in how we are even just starting to define that. So having that voice and that perspective is really important and then how we proceed with um, really engaging teachers and how to do the work. So it's what the work is, but then how do we make this happen so that it is really you know integrated and, and efficient in our system? So we are really committed to high quality professional development and that looks a lot of different ways there is a here's a summer training come for these four days and learn about about responsive classroom level one responsive classroom you know that's a a strategy for community building and practices at our elementary level and so we have great attendance at some of those just you know, um, snapshot trainings where it's like, it's your two days, you sit, you get, you learn, you practice. That's sort of like the first level of, of that teacher engagement and practice. Lots of opportunity for collaboration and, you know, sharing what works, what doesn't work. 
we also are committed to continued learning in those areas. So we may have like a level one training, but then we've got staff who really become leaders because of their interest and skill set in some of these areas. And then we provide them with, you know, maybe a second secondary level training. So more and additional training. So they actually in their buildings might be the go-to person because they just have extra interest, extra training, or a skill set that just really allows them to be, you know, a, a leader in that area. So not only kind of those standalone trainings, but more embedded leadership with your colleagues, your teacher friends in your building. Um, we've got professional learning communities where these um, each grade level or content area meets on a very regular basis to again say, hey, I tried this lesson and it didn't really work. What have you tried? And being able to collaborate in a professional learning community is, is really wonderful. Um, research, research tells us that having embedded coaching like in your building is one of the best ways to sustain any new, um, newly implemented strategy or learning. So we'll oftentimes bring in an expert from um, one of the organizations that we work with to provide training to come into our buildings and look and observe and work with teachers and coach them on, oh, hey, I saw you doing this. Here's a, here's a different suggestion or here's an area of focus. Here's a bright spot that you can really you know, take and, and go with. Um, and then the final thing to address just really teachers' comfortability with all of this and being really efficient and effective with the work is our student services staff are amazing. So our school counselors, our school social workers, and our school psychologists do have a different level of training around student development, emotional wellness, behavior, those sorts of things. So they really are the go-to people in the building to provide that sounding board, that additional um, training or conversation to really help teachers problem solve when it's not going well and to help celebrate when it's going really well. So that that's sort of the, the scope of the support and the engagement that we try to provide. Patty, I want to bring you in on this as a communications person. You, I mean, you know the importance of words and the word choice and what how things are phrased, meaning different things. You guys, as a district, seem like you as there's a lot of these kind of discussions of how do we make each other better. How important has that been in as a, at a district level in terms of you know just elevating uh, what you are and what you do uh, through these kind of Hey, let's collaborate on this. Let's let's figure out what you know that can help me, what I know that can help you. Those kind of uh, interactions. Yeah, sure. I I'd just like to reiterate what Janet said about the student services teams in our schools being fantastic. I can say that as a parent of a student in the district and as a staff member. Um, but I think the role in the communications office is to show off the work that is being done across the district um, and just how in alignment um, this this sort of, um, you know, this topic is in our, our strategic plan. And so, you know, trying to show show alignment with that and then show the work um, because it's it's hard to show that work, right? It's happening and it's hard to hard to draw like a um, an arrow towards it, but um, you know we do our we do our best to kind of show that work off and really amplify the um, the work of our our staff, our student services staff, and 
and what they do. So that's, that's, it's, it's good stuff happening across the district every day. And you can't, you can't always see it, right. You can, you know, there's kids feeling it, feeling it. There's a feeling there's a, there's work, but you can't, you can't point a finger and say, there it is. That's what, you know, that's what it looks like. Sure. Uh, Janet, uh, let's talk a little bit more about the staff and uh, the student services department. Can you give us a little bit more on, on who you all are and, and how many people kind of fall under that umbrella? I mean, I know they're, they're spread out through buildings and you, some people at the district level and the district building, but what, uh, what kind of group do you have and what kind of experiences? Uh, I would imagine there's a, a, a ton of a variety in terms of experiences of, of career there too that probably helps in, in a lot of regards. Yeah, um, our student services staff is is wonderful. It, it includes um, just at the base. I mean, certainly there's a lot of people in the building working at um, these things, but our uh, every building has at least one school counselor, a school social worker, and a school psychologist. So that FTE or the the amount of time that people spend in buildings varies um, to some degree in different buildings for a variety of reasons. Um, but that team really is that core student services team, along with um, the administrators in their building, um, the health office staff. Um, some of our buildings also include outside clinicians. So we do partner with. Um, an organization that, and we have um, licensed mental health clinicians that come into a few of our buildings and have a caseload of students that they see for therapy, like an outside provider would be coming in and providing therapy for students who would historically experience barriers in their personal life to accessing that sort of um, therapy or help. Um, we partner with other organizations to have people come in and work with us to help run group interventions. We, for example, work with Journey Mental Health to uh, implement a trauma screener at some of our buildings. And then based on the results of that trauma screener, partner with a licensed clinician to provide um, trauma exposure therapy or trauma exposure group intervention. Um, so that's not a lot of kids, but it is as part of our equitable multi-level system of support. Those are kids who maybe have the most needs. So our student services staff are unique in that they provide um, help and support to all students universally at that tier one level. Then they also, you know, provide sport supports for what we call our tier two or do like small groups. And then at kind of the top of that multi-level system, really working with outside professionals to provide what some of our, our very few most um, students who are most in need, um, being able to partner with outside providers. So all in all, I mean, I, I, there's, there's about 50 student services members. I don't know, I'm, <laughs> I can't remember exactly, but yeah. it's it's about 50 of us that um, do the work in the buildings. And the interesting, well, one of the many interesting things to me is that you're talking about the, an age range that's really like four, four, four and five to 18, right? I mean, and that's, uh, in, in terms of mental development, that's, you know, a lot happens in those first years of, of life, we know, but I mean, you're, you're really forming the bonds and things that, that are going to carry you through as an adult, as you, as you get towards the end of that too. Um, there's gotta be a lot of different 
approaches thing to things when you're talking about a difference between a, a second grader and a 10th or 11th or 12th grader, right? I mean, that, that has to, to keep you guys on your toes to, to uh, work with a lot of different things there. Yeah, it's, it's a really good, really good um, thought because we certainly there, our student services staff is very well trained and versed in the developmental um, um, abilities of different kids at different levels. And because we are a public school system, we do have to keep in mind kind of the, the, the vertical alignment of all of our services. So yes, what we're providing to our four-year-olds or our eight-year-olds has to, we have to continue and align the work that we then do with our 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds and then continue to align and build on that work that we do then with our 14-year-olds, 18-year-olds, and in some cases, 21-year-olds for students with disabilities. So we do cover the entire scope of the developmental life of a child. And that's important to us to make sure that we are um, building on that development, never working backwards. So all of our student services teams collaborate um, monthly with their K-12 group. So all of the school counselors get together and really talk about how to best support kids. Um, school social workers get together, do that same thing, and school psychs get together and do that same thing too. So it's a it's a good a, a good thought. And yes, we definitely have to both work together and understand the differences at different levels. We've got a couple minutes left, and I want to just maybe ask briefly about. Uh, you'd mentioned the curriculum is being installed. Or I forget the the term you used. Or implemented. Implemented. Thank you. Uh, through this, you know, really challenging year as as it is, um, mm. given that we're still in a pandemic and still living under the, the stresses that I think a lot of families have too, mm. uh, and that teachers have uh, can't can't forget that it's it's a different world for them too than it ever has been um how what what's the long range of of what that that implementation means how long does a curriculum stay around before it's kind of reworked or or uh you, you move on to a new thing what's what's the the uh the the lifespan i guess of, of this curriculum yeah, we are constantly evaluating that. So our curriculum renewal and design cycle is on a six year cycle. So um, within those six years, we are both looking at data, finding evidence-based research-based um, resources and supports and curriculum, evaluating um, the effectiveness of that or implementing, evaluating the effectiveness of that, and then re-looking at data. So a curriculum can live with us um, for as long as it is relevant and effective for what our outcomes are. This is just the first year of our universal implementation of our um, SEL comprehensive instructional model, those three things that I had mentioned before. So we are we will be in our fourth year of the, the cycle for curriculum um, next year where we'll be really looking at um, the impact that it's having on students. So we would expect to see a reduction in office discipline referrals, increased attendance, you know, happier kids, like all of the things that you would want to see. So we would keep a curriculum as long as it is effective, relevant, um, and matches with what our outcomes and goals are. Does 
one last question does you'd mentioned that dpi the state at the state level department of public instruction has something to do with it do they have any standards that you have to meet in terms of this or or are is is every district kind of off on its own to implement what they feel is necessary like for from the ground up yeah the dpi is a wonderful place for lots of resources around this they too i mean the state of wisconsin has put a, a large emphasis on social emotional learning and mental health of students over the last several years and so there we lot of resources that they have and we are able to implement um, the the SEL competencies or the standards that they had put out are the ones that we adopted as a school system. Um, and there are different ways in which they monitor and check some of the work that we're doing, but really this is um, every school district is unique and has their own needs. Um, I would say that I think in Sun Prairie we are we are leading in a lot of ways around um, both our universal practices with social emotional learning, as well as just some of the more intensive um, supports that we're providing around mental health. So um, there's a there's a lot that we can learn and glean from our from our state organization, and um, there's a lot that we have autonomy to do as well. Sure. Well, that's great stuff. Janet Thomas, thank you very much for, for joining us and thank you for what you do for the district and for our students. Oh, well, thank you so much. And Patty, good to see you again. Thanks for being here. Yes, great to see you, you too. Thanks, Todd. I'm Todd Molesky. Thanks for listening to Homeroom with Brad Saren on 103.5 FM, The Sun Community Radio. I'm saved by the